Dear ones, welcome to the space that is made more full for your being here. Whether this is your first time here or you've been coming for generations, you are welcome here. For my part, I'm grateful to be back in this community, although I miss sharing space in your beautiful sanctuary. My name is Karishma Gottfried, and I'm joining you virtually from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where our Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations annual General Assembly is being held later this week. And although I am not in Washington in person today, like many of you are, I'd like to take the time to acknowledge that the East Shore Unitarian Church is on land that is the traditional territory of the Coast Salish peoples. We recognize the impact of settler settler colonialism and pledge to nurture our relationship with our Indigenous neighbors. Their ways and understanding will guide us as we work to restore and sustain their homelands upon which we all depend. And because I'm joining you virtually, I'd like to offer this acknowledgement of the land I'm currently on. This land in what is now called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, was once the home of the Adena and Hopewell people and is the ancestral land of the Monongahela. These communities were later joined by refugees of other tribes, including the Delaware, Shawandes Tula, Osage, and Haudenosaunee, who were forced off their lands by settler colonialism. The power of technology allows us to join together in sacred space across thousands of miles and multiple time zones, but it also serves as a reminder of the land which we are so freely able to occupy because of the colonizers who became before us, some of whom were our Unitarian and Universalist ancestors. May this land acknowledgement serve as a reminder and a call to action that we may, we may continue to work to undo the harm done to Native people in this country and the harm that continues to be done. I was raised on fair trade coffee and love in the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Corvallis, Oregon. And although my parents joined the fellowship shortly after I was born, and I've spent every Sunday as far back as I can remember in religious exploration classes, I only claimed Unitarian Universalism for myself when I was old enough to know what I was truly identifying with. An imperfect but loving faith community that taught me there was always room to question what I knew and how I knew it. And one of the first things I learned about Unitarian Universalism was the seven principles. I remember being shown colorful rainbow posters in elementary religious exploration classes and learning the seven principles song. In my coming of age program in middle school, we were encouraged to memorize the seven principles. Well, they say encouraged, I might say bribed. For every principle we memorized, we got a chocolate truffle. And suffice to say, I can still recite them all perfectly to this day. And, you know, growing up, you, you, the seven principles were as close to the Gospels as any of us had, besides, well, the actual Gospels, but we didn't really talk about those in my congregation. And like the Gospels, they were written by any number of people gathering together around shared values of a religious community. Unlike the Gospels, they were written as part of a legal document, the bylaws of the Unitarian Universalist Association and affirmed by a democratic vote. 
And the principles as we know them today were last amended in 1985. 1985. Now, I can't see all of you from my computer screen, but my guess is that a good deal of you were born before 1985, which means you are older than the principles. And at the same time, in another part of our bylaws, it requires us to revisit Article 2, that's where the seven principles are in our bylaws, at least once every 15 years. And the last time they were reviewed started in 2006, but a vote at the 2009 General Assembly failed to pass, and so Article 2 remained as it has been for the most part. And now don't get me wrong, I love the principles. I think they're a beautiful set of aspirations that we should work towards every day. And I think most UUs would agree with them. Actually, I can say that pretty confidently because in the last year I completed an undergraduate honors thesis on modern day Unitarian Universalist theology. And as part of the the thesis, I interviewed two dozen Unitarian Universalists from three congregations in very different parts of the United States in Oregon, Michigan, and Tennessee. And then every single interview I had, the principles were mentioned. They are a formative part of our faith. And regardless of the outcome of the vote this week at our General Assembly, they aren't going anywhere. But let me ask you a question. How many of you who weren't bribed with chocolate can recite all seven principles? I can't actually see you, so but I'm going to guess it's not many. You know, we all know something about inherent worth and dignity, and we definitely want to remember the free and responsible search for truth and meaning and something about the interconnected web. But I don't think anyone would disagree with the statement that the seven principles are wordy. If someone asks you to describe Unitarian Universalism, how many of you have tried rattling off verbatim the seven principles? Well, I've tried it. Their eyes glaze off somewhere between acceptance of one another and their right to conscience and the use of the democratic process. And honestly, as many times as I've done it, my elevator pitch for Unitarian Universalism changes every single time I give it. Now, Unitarian Universalists have been trying to define ourselves from the very beginning. In the 1975 report by the Commission on Appraisal to the General Assembly of the 15-year-old Unitarian Universalist Association, note this is 10 years before the principles in their current form are written, they wrote, some of us have the feeling that if we could only achieve a consensus on our core beliefs, this would help to pull us together and enable us to present our case to the world. Some feel that our inability to state where we are theologically is the root cause of our failure to meet the high aspirations for which our association was founded. And I would still agree today with that statement, even though it was written a decade before the principles as we know them today are adopted. And do I think there's any one thing we can do to fix that? Honestly, I don't. But as Octavia Butler writes in the parable of the sower, the only lasting truth is change. Although every religion and denomination go through significant changes throughout the ages, Unitarian Universalism is a religion that is defined by its constant need for development and growth. Unitarian Universalists believe that the search for truth and meaning is unending 
and that there is always more to uncover about the universe. Because we are bound together by a covenant, not a creed, what makes us Unitarian Universalists is our commitments to each other, whatever those may be, and however those may change over time. So now it's time again to pause and consider if we want to revise what those commitments or our priorities are. So in the fall of 2020, the Article 2 Study Commission first gathered to begin the process of reviewing and revising Article 2 of the UUA bylaws, which contains both the seven principles and the six sources, as well as the purposes of the association and statements about our commitment to inclusion and freedom of belief. And just as last January, the Article 2 Commission finished their study after getting feedback from around 15,000 UUs. They submitted their recommended revisions to the UUA Board of Trustees for review, and those revisions will be put to a vote at our General Assembly this week. And that's where I'm joining you from, on site in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as I prepare to attend General Assembly as a delegate for my home congregation in Corvallis, Oregon. And if it passes there, it doesn't mean we're suddenly getting rid of the principles, but it moves this conversation forward for another year to talk to more Unitarian Universalists from all over to find out the values that bring us together as a community. So what are those values? Well, you can definitely read the full thing if you just search, you know, UUA, Article 2, something like that. And I really recommend you read the full report, but I'm going to go over some of the highlights. So the new proposal contains a section titled Values and Covenant, and that's what's on the front of your order of service if you have one of those. There are seven values in total, but unlike the seven principles, they're not numbered. There's no order. They're kind of in this like pinwheel shape. And the values include justice, interdependence, equity, generosity, pluralism, and transformation. And in the center of those values is one core value love. In the charge to the Article 2 Commission from the UUA Board of Trustees, the co-moderators of the association, they noted that in conversations over the last few decades, the shared theological value of love continued to be brought up, although it is not currently listed anywhere in our principles. They charged the commission to root its work in love as a principal guide in its work attending particularly to the ways that we and our root traditions have understood and articulated love and how we have acted out of love. So my question for all of you today is, what does it mean to have love at the center of this new proposal and potentially at the center of our Unitarian Universalist values and covenants? The English language is limited in its understanding of the word love. The Greeks had six different words for love, including sexual passion, deep friendship, playful love, long-standing love, and love of the self. But I think this proposal is the sixth kind of love, agape, which the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. described as purely spontaneous, unmotivated, groundless, and creative the love of God operating in the human heart. Agape is a love for everyone and everything, not for any reason, 
except the fact that you and they exist in this beautiful and imperfect universe. And I like to call this love courageous love. It's the love that has been with us through our universalist roots. The love for everyone and everything that permeates through our lives. It's the love that calls us to be leaders of social change, to side with love and work justice through love. As Unitarian Universalists, we believe that courageous love can transform the world. We believe that we can create a better world, a beloved community free from injustice and harm for everyone right here on earth in this lifetime. As Audre Lorde reminds us, I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. And I am not free as long as one person of color remains chained, nor is any one of you. Courageous love is the belief that all of us are deserving of freedom from the evils of the world. And it is the belief that we are deserving of that freedom now, in this life. And perhaps most importantly, it's the belief that, as the Reverend Julian Hamaikasoto puts it, All of us need all of us to make it. We must work for our liberation, and that liberation must be collective. Unitarian Universalism today is both unitary and universal. It acknowledges our shared connections while uplifting each individual's own experiences with the sacred and the profane. Its lack of creed allows for a variety of truths to emerge and to be discovered, while our covenant brings us together in a shared search for what those truths may be. The proposed changes to Article 2, if they are affirmed for another year of conversation, are just another chance for us to explore and discuss what our shared values and truths are as we move forward. The questions we're beginning to ask again about our values and purpose in the world as we enter more deeply into the 21st century are questions we need to keep asking ourselves and each other. And as long as we remember to keep love at the center, even when we make mistakes, how can we go wrong? Mm 